As a small business owner, your to-do list is long. The Knot makes advertising easy and connects you with the right couples at the right time. Visit vendors.thenot.com slash podcast for 15% off your first month with code podcast15. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Woodwork prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Long ball. It's going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Webster Slaughter. Hello Cleveland, welcome to another episode of the 1085 Green Iron Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Curry of the North Coast Sports. How are you doing today, Jack? Oh, I'm doing well. It's a hot day here in Northeast Ohio, but, you know, it, the weather's heating up and so is uh, Brown's talk. We're getting so close to that regular season opener. That's for sure. Uh, you know, we just finished, wrapped up the third preseason game. We have the fourth one in a couple of days, um, but... It wouldn't be Brown season if we weren't joined by our favorite comedian, our resident mock draft expert. Um, that is Stephen Thomas, otherwise known as Brown's Mock Draft. How are you doing, Stephen? Oh, life is a cabaret, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're. Uh, it, it's been like I said before uh, we started recording. It's been a while since we talked to you, and uh, so we figured we have to get you on. Uh, you said you're uh, headed out here soon, so. Um, we figured since you were leaving, uh, we have to get you on the show before you go. And, uh, you know, there's always plenty to discuss when it comes to Cleveland Browns and, uh, that's what we're here to do. And, um, I guess since we didn't record after, uh, the third preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles and Worcester Browns won the game five to nothing, uh, Corey Kluber with the shutout, um, what are your guys' quick thoughts on, on that game as we just kind of briefly uh, go over that one? You know, lately we've been having me having the gaffes on this episode, and I forgot to unmute my mic, so I apologize, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> but but uh, my biggest takeaway, obviously, from the, the game against the Eagles was the defense. You know, uh this was the dress rehearsal game, and we and I think everybody thought this was you know a great test. It's the defending Super Bowl champions. We're going to see how good the offense was. We're going to see how good the defense was, and the defense brought it uh, from the moment they stepped on the field to the moment they stepped off. You know, four turnovers in the first half. Miles Garrett proving that he should have been the number one pick last year with two sacks and absolutely dominating the Eagles' left tackle. 
to the point where the Eagles left tackle. I think it's Malata said post game that Garrett pretty much kicked his ass. Um, you know, the defense obviously was my biggest takeaway from it. I thought they played really well against, you know, and people could say, well, Carson Wentz wasn't out there. Well, Carson Wentz wasn't out there in the Super Bowl and the Eagles still won it. So I thought the defense performed up to par. And, you know, I think they raised the biggest eyebrow to me uh, from the preseason game. Yeah, obviously, I'd agree with you. I mean, the front seven looked just dominant. Uh, Miles Garrett is simply not human. Um, and, you know, like a, a lot of people said, yeah, that wasn't their starting left tackle and everything. But still, uh, he made it, it looked like me trying to block him. I think I would have had roughly the same amount of success trying to block him. And let's not overlook the other guys in that front seven. Of course, Miles, you know, gobbling up and destroying a double team opens up some other people, but they did what they needed to do. Uh, Larry O was mad in the middle. I mean, I love that kid. I love that pick when we made it. I still can't understand why he's not getting more first team reps, but that's a whole nother story. But he was wicked up the middle. And uh, my man, Jannard Avery was, I, I mean, it looked like what you expect out of Watt and uh, Clowney down in Houston. I mean, Avery was just collapsing the right side of that line. Um, and so the front seven has a chance to be really, really special. Um, and then there's some other things that I took out of it. Uh, Damian Ratley showed uh, some progress in things that people didn't think he could do. He ran some underneath routes. He caught the ball with his hands. Uh, he threw a couple of good blocks that I remember off the top of my head. I don't think there's any doubt that that he's making the roster at this point um, and he'll be in a limited role, which is what he needs uh, as a rookie. Um, I, I don't know why you guys thought about the offense. I, I mean, everybody knows it's been vanilla. They're not giving anything away. We know that. And there was the big kerfuffle on Brown's Twitter about the four passing plays from the one yard line. And yeah, I mean, I'm not thrilled with that, but overall it's a pretty much a who cares. I get what that they're trying to, work on stuff um, down in that area with the, with the limited space in the passing game and guys learning each other and, and all that. I get it. I totally do. But by the time you get to third down, and especially if you're going to go for it on fourth down, go ahead and punch it in. Let the, I mean, the offensive line and, and the running backs and the whole unit, they earned their way down to that one-yard line. Let them have the fun. You know, Let them enjoy the success. Punch it in on fourth down. Uh, score the touchdown. I get it. And, you know, we're, I'm not even going to get into the fact that the fourth down pass almost cost us our starting quarterback. It's just, I, but overall, I thought the offense without having uh, Callaway, obviously no Josh Gordon, I thought it looked okay. I mean, the running game looked better than it had in weeks. There was still no Zeitler out there and the running game still looked better. So I thought it was as good of a dress rehearsal as you could have with the uh, limited pieces on offense and the vanilla play calls on both sides of the ball. I was happy with it. Yeah. You know, both of the, the that goal line offense, what was very frustrating, but you know, like you said, Todd Haley isn't going to give anything away, but at, at that point you've been working on this new offensive line for the first three games of the preseason. You're right. Punch it in. See what this, group can do as a unit to run block i don't understand the four straight pass plays from uh the one yard line that's to me that's not cleveland browns football not to mention you have a guy in tyrod taylor who's kind of a decent sized quarterback sneaking in 
I mean, I don't think it's that hard to get one yard, but it, man, they sure made it a headache. And you know, it wouldn't be the Cleveland Browns if it wasn't a headache at some point. Um, so <laughs> yeah, and especially when you consider there were two pretty long runs. They busted, you know, Nick Chubb busted, or Carlos Hyde busted one, and Nick Chubb busted another one to get there. I mean, they had basically run the ball down the field. So, I mean, and I get it. Like I said, I understand you want to work on stuff. But by the time it gets to fourth down, you know, they they worked hard. Let them have their reward. That's just my thought. Ultimately, it really doesn't matter. But it was just a little irritating thing. Well, Well, and and that's another point, too. You have three running backs. You have Duke, you have Chubb, and you have Hyde. You know, those guys can get it in from one one yard. I I don't know. But it's – too much to nitpick in one preseason game that doesn't matter. So um, I, I guess the biggest storyline that came out of this game and is kind of developed in the media over the last couple of days is um, Denzel Ward uh, left the game with an injury. Uh, the following day, uh, Greg Williams criticized Denzel Ward's tackling technique, said it was stupid. That's why he got hurt. Uh, and then you had Hugh Jackson in the media say, that's not something we do as coaches. Uh, Alex, <laughs> can I have irony for 1,000, please? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, you, if you listen to or at least read the transcript of the whole answer, uh, the whole conversation that Greg had, he did have a lot of good things to say. I mean – yeah, he shouldn't have said that. Of course, you know, you don't want to call your own players stupid. I'm not going to excuse him for that. But he's who he is. I mean, if you don't know who Greg Williams is by now, what have you been paying attention to the last 15 years or however long he's been in the league? I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that's the way he does stuff. I And as far as I know, Denzel came back and he's healthy and everything's fine. So... Ultimately, it's just another – we run out of stuff to talk about in the preseason. Uh, you're right, though, with the Hugh thing. I mean, for a guy who has politicked pretty much his entire job for two years through the media, that was – I mean, just, you know, how many eye-rolling emojis can you fit into one tweet? Whatever. Hugh, go out and win games, okay? We're tired. Go out and win games. I don't care what you think they should or shouldn't do in the media – I think you shouldn't go one and thirty-one, but you know, go win games, and you can you can politic however you want. I, again, I, I I say the same thing about the four as I did about the four passing plays from the one. It was irritating. It's stupid. It's unnecessary. It creates drama where there shouldn't be any. But ultimately, once we start the regular season, I, I don't think it really matters. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I think you guys both hit the nail right on the head. It's ironic that Hugh says Greg Williams shouldn't be calling players out in the media when he does it <laughs> periodically. And Stephen, like you said, it's unnecessary drama. This team's trying to, as John Dorsey says, wake the beast that is the Cleveland Browns. And then you're going to have the co- the coaches bickering back and forth. We've seen it already on Hard Knocks. Now we're seeing it through the media. It's just unnecessary stuff when they're trying to win football games. And that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Those guys just need to shut up, do their jobs, and make the Browns relevant again. Or they're going to be unemployed like they have been in recent years. So, I mean, you guys both hit it right on the head. It's just shut up and, and do your job. Well, and yeah, and it's the, the, the communication issues within this organization 
I mean, this again, that's nothing new. I mean, you know, uh, I, I tweet something frequently about our owner, and it's that the lead clown sets the tone for the whole car, and that's where it all comes from. It, it, the bickering, he he shouldn't let it go on, but he does. It's the way the way he goes. It's the way he goes. It's the way he's always been, and I, you know, at this point, it's the way. Uh, I have to assume that he always will be. This is this is what goes on, and this is what leads into twenty and seventy six. You know what I mean? It, literally the worst five year stretch in NFL history from a winning percentage standpoint. This is the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. But it's not any, and no one should be shocked. I mean, just because now they're on hard knocks, this is stuff that we already knew. I mean, Greg, Hughes, a, a politicker. Uh, uh, Greg is abrasive, you know, I mean, and, and some, there's some parts of him that I like, I mean, his introductory press conference last year with the RU Tony answer. I mean, that's legendary to me. I mean, <laughs> I will never not love that. Um, but ultimately if you, it's like you say, would people like Bill Belichick if he didn't win? No, we know they won't because they didn't like him in Cleveland and he didn't win a lot of games. If you win games, you can be as colorful and as weird and as obnoxious as you want to be. Uh, and until you do that, stuff like this is going to get analyzed and in a lot of cases overanalyzed. So, I, you know, it's nothing new. It's irritating. We shouldn't have to deal with it, but it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's been paying attention. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's the Cleveland Browns. Nothing should really come as a surprise. We've learned to expect everything. So, um, let's actually talk about something that, that really matters, and that is how this 53-man roster is going to shake out. Uh, roster cutdowns uh, happened this weekend after the fourth preseason game. Uh, they had to cut down a roster from 90 to seven, uh, to 53. Uh, they used to have two cutdowns, but now it's just one cutdown um, at, at once. Uh, is are there? Stephen, we'll start with you. Um, looking at this current roster. Who would you be uh, surprised uh, that they would either cut or trade uh, by that deadline? Well, I, I don't know if anybody actually would qualify as a surprise um, because the back end of the roster is in flux. Any, anywhere from spot 44-ish to 53, you know, you can make an argument for or against about, you know, a dozen guys there. So, I don't know that anything, but if you want to get into surprise guys that I think should be on the roster, but I have seen mentioned as maybe their spot isn't safe. I would put Carl Nassib at the top of that list. Uh, and not because he's been, you know, burn, setting the world on fire, but he has shown improvement. He's been around and there's really nobody behind him pushing him who, who unless they go out and make a trade or, or, you know, waiver wire pickups, that's a whole nother story. But as it stands right now, he should make, this roster, I would say the same thing. Uh, uh, Seth DeValve is a popular name. Um, and I, there's a lot of hard knocks influence in that uh, with Kajust. But I, I, I would think, uh, and our good friend uh, Jake Burns tweeted something not too long ago, just before we recorded, that he's either on the roster or they're going to put him on the short-term uh, IR, uh, which I think he can come back after six games or something like that. They're not going to cut him. I mean, that would... But if they did, that would be surprising. I would also say the same with EJ Gaines. His knee injury has brought his name up in these types of discussions. But I think he should be on the roster. So 
I mean, would that be a surprise? Eh, I guess that would any of those three would qualify as a surprise, but I don't see them. You know, there was talk a week or two ago about outright cutting Jamie Collins. That would be a surprise. I, you know, these guys not making it. You'd be like, huh, I probably would have gone another way, but I don't know if you can get all the way to shock with that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's any names that you guys think would be a surprise. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, Stephen just mentioned Jamie Collins. I don't think they would cut him. I, You know, the Browns would take a very serious cap hit if they cut Collins at this point. Makes especially no sense. As, yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. He has the out after next season. It helps the Browns financially. And um, if he wants to, you know, try to go back out and make a better deal, which I, I doubted at this one, he's underperformed since he signed his new deal. But uh, I don't really see any other surprises like. Steven said the roster, the bottom of the roster is in flux. Uh, you know, Sean Coleman really wouldn't be a surprise at this point, but it would be disappointing. You look at a guy a month ago was the starting left tackle, and now he's definitely on the roster bubble for sure. But uh, I really don't see any other surprise. Maybe Jeff Janice. I've seen his name floated out there. Uh, I think some people thought he might have been a lock at the beginning of camp, but he's underperformed as a receiver and on special teams for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think Janice was going to make this team uh, regardless. I don't either. With the, with the way some of the younger receivers, um, you know, Ratley and uh, uh, was it Higgins or, or Lewis have, have come on um, so far this season uh, in the preseason. So I, I think Janice is definitely one that, that won't be here. Um, if I had to give uh, some kind of surprise, uh, I would – I would maybe say Jamie Meter. Uh, I don't know if that qualifies as a surprise, but I, I think he's one uh, with a lot of the younger guys they have on that defensive line. Um, and a guy like Chad Thomas, who they drafted in the third round, has kind of kicked inside to play defensive tackle. Uh, I think Meter can definitely be uh, on the chopping block uh, when roster cutdowns come. Um, as far as if there was a, a trade, um, you know, I would – put Jamie Collins at the top of the list, I don't think it'll happen. But if there were to be a, a trade of someone on this roster, I, I think that he's one guy that uh, kind of would lead the pack in that category. Yeah, I'd be surprised with uh, Meter, and I hope it doesn't. That, that would definitely qualify as a surprise, yeah, because I think, again, that's one of their they, the depth there. Who's pushing him off the roster would be very surprising. Plus, I mean, how do you not like the pierogi prince? I mean, you got to like the guy. <laughs> He's Cleveland in in ill-fitting pants. He's the perfect uh, Cleveland Brown. I love the guy. Um, you're t- you mentioned a couple of trade guys, and go but to go back to somebody Jack talked about, uh, Sean Coleman, uh, who I will again, I'll take my L on. Uh, I thought uh, Joe Thomas said he thought Sean would handle left tackle fine. I believed him, and I was wrong. I'll take my L. They might try to um, see what they can get because offensive line depth around the league is atrocious. We're not the only ones whose whose second team offensive line is 
there's a severe drop off and there's some contenders or at least teams that think they are contenders out there who are really in trouble. So you might be able to grab, you know, a late day three pick or someone who is on their roster bubble uh, at interior defensive line. Uh, look at Seattle. They've got some guys out there, a Puna Ford or a Naz Jones, uh, depending on how their numbers shake out. Uh, the Vikings have a couple of guys at the back end of their in- interior defensive line. And then they're not necessarily a, uh, a contender, but the Cardinals uh, are desperate. If you've watched any of their offensive line, uh, they're desperate and they might be able to, uh, might be willing to part with uh, an Olsen Pierre or uh, uh, maybe a Robert Condici, um, who, I mean, you're not going to get anything great back for Sean Coleman. Anybody out there saying, oh, we should get him a third round, fourth round, you're not going to get that. You're going to get a late round pick or you're going to get somebody else who the other team is also basically done with and Kandice has the athletic profile that's the kind of guy you take a chance on a reclamation project in a trade like this it would be a similar compensation type kind of deal because I mean with Kandice it's never been about his talent the talent's there it's been you know his mindset and uh, the past couple of years he's been dinged up um, so if he can somehow you know stay healthy and they figure out how to get him at or close to his athletic profile, that would be a, a fantastic pickup. But yeah, if you're talking about moving guys around the league, um, there's a few intriguing things with offensive linemen. Uh, and maybe, you know, if it's not Jamie Collins, maybe a James Burgess, uh, who I like, but I don't know. I think maybe he gets caught in a numbers game. So you move him somewhere, you could probably get a decent return for him. Uh, around the league and something we didn't touch on uh, if if Demarius Randall they keep saying it's fine it's fine it's fine but he went to get a second opinion which makes me think maybe it is not fine and if he is like injured and is going to miss some time or they have to put him on this the short term uh, IR or whatever like that that opens up another spot um, on the roster so maybe Darren Smith comes back on the roster maybe you keep another uh, a corner, an extra lineman, or you have to make a trade for somebody like that. I don't know. Uh, but if he's hurt, that opens up uh, another series of questions uh, that we have to talk about. You know, and um, talking about the offensive line, we kind of skipped over it a, a little bit. You know, Sean Coleman and Drongo seem to potentially be on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Um, they did sign today uh, Earl Watford. Uh, a guard slash tackle. Uh, he's been in the league since 2013. He was a fourth-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he's kind of bounced from team to team over the last couple of years. Uh, he started 21 games uh, between the guard and tackle position. Jack, what's your initial takeaway from uh, signing uh, Earl Watford, and how does it affect Sean Coleman and Spencer Drongo? I mean, Warford is nothing more than a depth signing. Obviously, the Browns are trying to address that situation, but you look at Watford's pro football focus grade, and I tend to look at that when I look at offensive linemen. It wasn't very good. Um, One of their analysts called his uh, protection skills a nightmare, which kind of tells you how good Watford is. Um I would expect that the Browns are going to be looking at offensive linemen through the waiver wire this weekend. Uh, Like you said, Coleman and Drongo are struggling. I think Coleman, it would be the odd man out between him and Drongo. Um, You know, I'm just, I thought Drongo, I think we've said this multiple times on here. I thought he did well enough last year when he subbed in for Joe Thomas. Obviously he has the ability to, 
uh, play tackle and guard, much like Wofford does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Drango plays Thursday night against Detroit. Obviously, he knows that he's uh, his roster spots on the line now, especially with this latest addition. But um, yeah, this guy, I don't he's probably not going to work out here just based on his track record in the league so far. But it won't hurt giving him a shot because obviously it's obvious that the Browns need depth on the line. Exactly. I mean, anybody that's cut and available at this time of year, you're not going to pick up. An all, you know, a, there aren't any all pros, current all pros getting cut at this time. It's going to be another, well, let's see what we have with this guy kind of thing. Um, now, so he has, you know, some people say he's had a good camp. And I, you're right, absolutely, Jack, that his positional flexibility gives him a leg up. I think that's the biggest when you're getting down to those last three linemen, uh, backup linemen for the Browns, and you're trying to figure out, you know, who is going to get cut. That's the biggest knock against Sean Coleman is that he only plays tackle. Drango um, last year played, you know, admirably. Uh, I mean, he had his weaknesses, but he did okay. I think he's been worse this year, which is sort of odd, but he can play guard. He can play tackle. And that's uh, what Watford does too. And when you're looking for swing guys, Obviously, that's what you want. And I think one of the things that we haven't touched on yet that that's going to play a factor in this is that um, you're looking at Greg Robinson. He can also play guard, although I'm not a, a big fan of his. But uh, Desmond Harrison, I think they like him. I think they think he's got a future. He just needs multiple things worked on. And I also believe that they think if they try to sneak him onto the practice squad, it won't work. So he has to have – he's eating up a spot on the 53, which means your other guys – and he only plays uh, tackle as well. So your other guys, um, um, your uh, writer and, and you know Drango or Watford or, or whoever it is, they have to be swing guys that can play multiple spots. So I, I think writer's spot, since he's the only backup center, unless they go out and grab a, you know, a Max Garcia if he gets cut in uh, Denver or somebody like that, I think writer's spot is safe. Harrison's spot is safe. And now you're running out of spots. Um, and so I, I think Watford, like you said, they're going to take a look at him. Um, he may very well get cut again uh, come, uh, what is the first, Sunday, Monday, whatever day it is, um, and not make the initial 53. But that doesn't mean that he won't be on the next 53 or on the practice squad because Folks need to remember the 53 at 4 o'clock on the 1st is not going to be the 53 at 4 o'clock on September 4th or 5th. They're going to be, you know, up to five or six spots that are, you know, don't don't uh, like uh, my buddy, our buddy Jeff Lloyd says, don't uh, don't sign a long term lease just yet (laughs) kind of spots on the roster. And if Watford makes it, he'll definitely be in that group, I think. Yeah, definitely. And as we're recording, um, the team just made the signing of Earl Watford official, and they also cut six guys. They released Evan Barry, the wide receiver, uh, offensive lineman Kevin Bowen and Jeff Gray, uh, defensive lineman Marcel Frazier, uh, tight end Julian Allen off an injured reserve, and the kicking competition is officially over. They also waived kicker Ross Martin, so Zane Gonzalez is our kicker. I don't understand why that was even a competition, but okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I thought that Zane had that lockdown from the start, so I guess it's good to bring in some kind of some kind of competition to push guys. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this 
semester jungle talk revolves around if uh, Zeitler is expected uh, is going to be healthy for that first uh, regular season game. I would imagine we all uh, expect Zeitler to be ready to go for week one against Pittsburgh. But if he isn't, uh, I, w- I could see a, a absolute scenario where Ze- uh, where Django makes his team and he's starting at right guard week one. Yeah, it's possible. Didn't Zeitler come back uh, uh, today or yesterday, though? I thought he was back out there doing stuff. He, yeah, he's back, but I'm not sure if he's full go yet. He's okay. still, he might just be doing light work, but yeah, I would expect him to be back week one. But like Anthony said, if he's not a full go, we need Drango because obviously he's worked with the first team. You can't really bring in a guy off the waiver wire and expect him to build chemistry with a week with the rest right. of the first team. So uh, I would personally keep Drango, but you know, I'm not John Dorsey and I'm not the coaches, so. Yeah, That's I tend to job. agree with you. I mean, in theory, you could kick Robinson in there because they've given him some reps at guard or, you know, I mean, I guess you could on paper, you kick Batonio back inside, Corbett goes to right guard, and then, you know, Robinson starts at left tackle. But that's insanity to me. I mean, on paper, you could, that's an option. But I I think you're right. I think if there's any question about Zeitler's health, uh, that keeps Drango on the roster at least through week one. I think you're right. Um, Steven, uh, the waiver wire is extremely important. And with the Browns having the, per- the first position on waiver wire through week three of the NFL season, they have first crack at everybody uh, that any team cuts. Who are some guys that you think uh, are going to get cut and the Browns could definitely target uh, if they are cut? Well, what's good about it now, I think we can, we can agree, is that um... – this year, when you're looking at the waiver wire week one, right up the original 53 and then the waiver wire, we're, we're looking for those last six spots on the roster, which is, to, I mean, years past, we were looking for guys that were going to contribute and maybe even start. So this is great <laughs> that we're looking for second and third tier guys or young developmental guys. It's really cool. Uh, and there are some guys out there that could get caught. Uh, in, a, in a younger, or I'm sorry, in a numbers game, um, I've been looking a lot at the interior defensive line because I think that's our biggest need as far as depth goes. Um, and there's some young guys out there uh, that are currently, supposedly, from what I've been reading, on the roster bubble uh, for their particular teams. The, the first name that jumps out at me is uh, Puna Ford uh, in Seattle. I still don't understand how he went undrafted and the Seahawks really, really like him, but they have, they're deep. And so it's a numbers game. He may get cut. And if they do what I have read, if they decide they have to keep Puna, then one of the other interior defensive linemen, obviously it becomes on the bubble. And the name I've seen a couple of times is Naz Jones. Uh, And either one of those guys, I would snap them up uh, in a heartbeat. I know you guys were with me uh, on James Looney, uh, uh, from Cal, he's up with the Packers right now. As far as a defense, interior defensive line guy, and his name is on. He's on the roster bubble. Um, uh, you've got uh, Dominique Easley uh, coming off an injury. They're 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 so deep uh, interior and for the Rams. They've actually moved him at outside to outside linebacker for some for some reps. But he could definitely uh, be somebody I would be interested in. Zach Kerr or Clinton McDonald for the Broncos. Uh, as far as interior guys, they're, I mean, you know, they're, they're not going to be stars or anything, but we're looking for depth here. Those are some guys 
that uh, that I would be interested in. I don't know what other – I've seen people talk about offensive line. We just went over that. There's really – I mean, again, who's going to be available that, that really moves the needle? It's going to be more let's see what they're like, guys. The other place that there might be some interest for me, um, well, there's some edge guys. Um, first of all, although edge isn't really a need, but Jeff Holland for the Broncos, uh, Juan Price for the Rams, was injured all last year, came out of pit. Uh, I really like his game. Uh, but wide receiver, I have heard a couple of times now that they're looking for, they'd be most interested in, let me put it that way, more interested in a steady veteran presence rather than another young, you know, potentially developmental guy in that wide receiver room. And one name that I keep seeing pop up is Kendall Wright in Minnesota. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, come in and set the world on fire, but he's, he's a steady guy. He's a veteran. He knows how to act. He would be a good influence on, you know, everybody except Jarvis Landry and leftovers or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In that wide receiver room needs some veteran presence on him. So I could see them grabbing him uh, just to add him and, and, and settle that just in case anybody has issues. And we all know who we're talking about there. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's some younger guys. You Levi Wallace in Buffalo at corner. Um, uh, Reese Fountain for the Colts. I liked his game at wide receiver. Carlos Henderson in Denver is an interesting receiver name. Uh, if they wanted to go the young route, he's got an off field stuff, but he's somebody that I would be interested in, in hearing about. And, and here's, here's, let me throw a wrinkle in here. The Patriots did not pick up Malcolm Brown's, uh, fifth year option. And I have read on a couple of Patriots blogs. Um, I have, I keep meaning to ask Mark Schofield about it. I know you guys are uh, fans of Mark like I am, and I keep forgetting to do it. The rumor is that he may, emphasis on the may, be available in a trade after the initial 53s are set. And that would be somebody I would be very interested in if there's any truth to that rumor. Um, Other than that, I I mean, what are they really looking for? There's going to be running backs available. We don't need running backs. Um, You know, there's going to be uh, safeties available. We don't, unless Randall is hurt, we really don't need a safety. There's not a lot that's going to be out there that there's going to be movement, but there's nobody that I'm going to be, you know, uh, pounding the table for that. We really got to grab that guy outside of maybe Puna Ford. I don't know what you think, Jack. Yeah. I mean, when I'm, when I look at the Browns depth chart, I mean, like you mentioned all the positions that we could go for. We could use another veteran receiver. Obviously, we've been hampering offensive line depth. Um, I mean, if there is a D tackle out there, I mean, we have Ogunjobi, Meter, Brantley, and Coley. But if we could pick up another defensive tackle, I wouldn't mind it just because, obviously, Coley with the ankle sprain, Brantley's been dealing with injuries. Wouldn't mind pick up a veteran defensive tackle. Um Maybe a safety, depending on how Demarius Randall looks out. But other than that, I mean, 
anything else I think would be a bonus. I think we're starting to add depth to this roster. Obviously, it's not finished by any means. And if anybody thought that Dorsey was going to come in and create a deep, talented roster in one offseason, I don't know what y'all were smoking. So I apologize for saying that. But I mean, if we can pick up any depth by any means at any position, I think it would be a bonus this weekend. But usually when you pick these guys up, they're just back end roster guys that we may hear about, like a brilliant body Calhoun that we got a couple years ago, or we just get guys that end up being off the roster at the end of the season anyways. Well, I think with this new regime uh, that's here with Dorsey and uh, Alonzo Highsmith and uh, Todd Haley as offensive coordinator, I would pay close attention to uh, what the Kansas City Chiefs, what the Pittsburgh Steelers, and what the Green Bay Packers are doing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, these three guys come from those organizations. They know the guys that are on that roster. And I think there's a, a few offensive linemen. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that they could be cut but they could potentially be had uh, in a trade. Uh, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they have a, a fourth-round pick from two years ago that's uh, at left guard that's sitting behind uh, former Cleveland Brown, Cam Irving, uh, who's starting uh, right now for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is uh, Parker, I'm going to butcher his last name, Ehinger. Uh, I think that's the best way I'm going to say that. Uh, I'm sure Dorsey's really familiar with them. Uh, you know, on the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, you have uh, Matt Filer, who's been there for a few seasons already. Um, you know, they have a couple uh, undrafted guys that they brought in uh, this offseason. So uh, they, he could be pushed out of there. Uh, looking at the Green Bay Packers, there's um, quite a few names. Uh, they're, they're very uh, – they have a lot of offensive line right now. Uh, you look at maybe uh, Kyle Murphy, backup left tackle. Uh, I, I doubt that they move him. Uh, they have uh, Lucas Patrick, who was an undrafted free agent uh, in 2016. Uh, Jason Spriggs, who was a second-round pick at um, in 2016. He's a backup right tackle. Um, you have left guard Kofi, I'm going to butcher this name too, Amicia, who was a sixth-round pick last year. So, you know, there's guys that could be on the bubble end of uh, these three teams uh, offensive line-wise that – our current front office and coaching staff is very familiar with that. I think that, you know, that's a definite situation to keep a close eye on. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, they know the, um, they know the players, they know the front office, they're friendly with them. If there's going to be a trade, you know, obviously people like to deal with their friends. Um, you brought up the Packers and there was somebody, I wanted to, uh, to mention it uh, earlier. People are talking about maybe Seth DeValve, um, you know, goes on uh, the short-term IR or something like that. And they could definitely keep Kajus. But the Packers, they got a young guy, uh, um, Robert Tanyan. I may be mispronouncing his last name, but they seem to really, really like him fast. Uh, he, was a, he was originally a quarterback, then he was a wide receiver, and, and he's putting on weight. He came out. Uh, like 30 pounds lighter than he is now and they really like him but they you know I mean they've got uh, Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks and they're stacked up there so they don't they think he's going to get bumped out in a numbers game so if DeValve has to go on the short-term IR that might be a name to keep an eye on but I'm, I got on a tangent there I think you're right I think the guys that he's not known for um, his offensive line prowess uh, let's say that drafting wise, uh, but the guys that Dorsey picked up 
while he was in Kansas City that are on the roster bubble, I think it's smart to think that he might be more inclined to take a look at them. And and, and why not? Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I think it, it makes really good sense. So, you know, and, and like I said, with the Browns having first crack at pretty much everybody that's cut um, this weekend, it's going to be very interesting to see how things shake out. You know, we do have one more preseason game. Uh, I don't think we have uh, that many expectations for Thursday night. But, Jack, looking at uh, the final preseason game, what are your expectations and and hopes for uh, the final preseason game against the Detroit Lions? You know, just to see the continued development of Baker Mayfield, I think obviously that's the only reason I'm going to watch the game because usually the fourth preseason game is a snooze fest. But, you know, having Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and, you know, maybe they'll play Antonio Callaway just to give him some more reps. I mean, he hasn't played football in a year and a half prior to the preseason. But, you know, just to see Baker's continued development as well as Nick Chubb, And obviously, you know, my expectation is I'm going to watch the backup offensive line closely. I would expect Drongo's going to play. I would expect maybe Corbett will play a little bit just because they've been playing him with the second team a lot during the preseason. Um, And to see, like, watch the guys on the bubble, Sean Coleman, Devin Kajuse, uh, Damari Scott, CJ Board, and then some of the guys on the defense, you know, um, Darren Smith, obviously, because with the situation with Demarius Randall, that's the guy a lot of people are going to watch as a potential backup free safety. Um, and then Nate Orchard, you know, he's being profiled on hard knocks. He's obviously on the bubble. Will he have a, a, a good game to, you know, make his case to make the Browns roster or have a strong audition to go be picked up by another team on the waiver wire. So there's some interesting storylines to this game. It's a fourth preseason game, but and like I said, it's usually a snooze fest. But, you know, with the Browns situation, there's going to be some interesting things to watch. Well, yeah, it's probably you're right. It's going to be a snooze fest. There's no way it could uh, live up to the, the wild uh, excitement of the five nothing win last week, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't looked at who the Lions are or are not going to be playing, but I imagine like everybody else in the league with a brain, they're not going to be playing many, if any, of their starters, hardly at all. So my only hope, I just don't get Baker hurt. That's all. Anything else, I mean, like you said, they should probably get Callaway out there just to get him back, you know, some reps, some game speed. Um, I would have liked to have seen Josh Gordon for a series or two uh, before the hamstring thing just to, again, you know, run some wind sprints at the Y before you start playing games. You know, I I would love to have seen him get just a, a series or two, but it does not seem like that's going to happen. Other than that, anybody that's going to contribute uh, uh, in the rotation, don't get hurt. That's it. That's all I care about. Um, and I would hope that they're smart enough that if our backup offensive line, because they're going to be playing the second and third unit guys, and they're going to be shuffling people around because they want to see what they have. And they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But if that leads to Baker running for his life, pull him. Get him out of there. It's not worth it. Okay? We almost lost Taylor last week. Uh, and to, to, to risk the next 10 years, potentially, of this franchise under center – to get three more series in the fourth preseason games makes no sense. That's all I really want is 
for no, like, I mean, all the stuff you said, obviously, you want to see how these back end of the guys make their last case, their closing arguments, and it's always interesting. But my expectations are don't get Baker hurt. That's really the only, anything beyond that is a cherry on top. Yeah, uh, that that's obviously, I, I think the number one priority in the fourth preseason game is to escape it injury-free. And if you do have injuries, um, hope it's guys that, potentially not are making your team or, um, you know, the guys on the back end of the roster that you weren't really going to uh, count on uh, for this season. I think we'll see a lot of uh, Broby uh, in this last preseason game. Uh, mm-hmm. Brogan Roback. I, I think, I don't know if we'll see Drew Stan. Uh, I think it'll be um, more Roback uh, than anything. Um, I think he'll play probably three quarters uh, of the game or he'll come in after Baker Mayfield is done. I really, I, I really wouldn't even play Baker uh, in this game um, if it was me. Uh, but, you know, it's up to Hugh Jackson. And hopefully he doesn't make any dumb decisions. Uh, I know that's asking a, a lot. But, um, <laughs> you know, I... It, Hopefully we we escape this last game uh, injury free and we're headed uh, to, uh, to the home opener with uh, pretty much everybody uh, at 100. percent So you know the the fourth preseason games here. Um, you know there's a, some interesting talk uh, today and I think it's been discussed a lot in the past and I'll talk about it briefly. What do you? Uh, Jerry Jones was on his radio show and he discussed. Um, the potential of eliminating the last two preseason games and adding them to the regular season. What are your guys' thoughts about that? You know, the preseason has, you know, everybody... Okay, hold on. Let me reset. uh, Running backs coach a couple weeks ago, Freddie Kitchens, he said that preseason is pretty much just practice with the uniforms on. And, you know, it's become a terrible display of football. I don't think anybody likes watching preseason. Last week I watched first half and I went to bed at halftime. Did not want to watch the backups, even though Baker Mayfield was out there. You obviously Sunday night, Dallas played Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott did not play the dress rehearsal game. All different teams use the preseason different ways. Obviously, obviously with new coaches, they want to implement their system, get the starters, the reps and all that. But guys that are, they're, they've been there. They don't want to play their guys too long. And I just think that the preseason, they need to do something with it when the new CBA comes up. I think it goes up in the next two or three years. They need to either eliminate preseason games, which would mean that they're going to want to add regular season games. And that's always been the talk. They cut out two preseason games, add two regular season games. That's probably not going to happen because... Um, obviously the players union is not going to go for that unless the players are going to say, well, we'll do that, but then we want more money. And then it's going to become the whole, it's going to argue back and forth and we're going to have another lockout or, and if they want to cut out the preseason games, do more of these inner squad scrimmages, like a training camp, like they've been doing the last couple of years. Like when the Browns went to Buffalo this year, I think the jets and the Redskins had some, uh, inner squads scrimmages at training camp. I think the Texans and the 49ers did it too. do something like that. And then maybe pay, make fans pay for that. And then that way 
some some revenue comes in through that. But they need to cut out preseason a little more just because, A, the teams really don't care whether or not the fans or whether or not the fans show up. They're not they're going to play their stars and their key players how they see fit to. I mean, that's just my take. I don't know what you guys have to say on it. You know, a lot of uh, Jerry Jones's point was that um, if you add in those two uh, regular season games, the players are going to make more money. Um, so I, I think he's on board with, um, you know, giving the players more money in favor of eliminating those two preseason games that could potentially, uh, you know, cost his starters injury. And I, I think you've seen a lot. You made made a good point about um, – you know, the intra-squad scrimmage is boy, that is hard to say. Um, about those being a lot more popular. And, you know, if you do cut down the preseason to just two games, you know, you will see more of those scrimmages. I think that those are a lot more controllable uh, for the teams. Uh, I think there's a lot less risk for injury uh, when it comes to those. So uh, looking at um, how it could shake out, the only way I would extend the regular season uh, by two games is if you add in maybe two or three, uh, have two or three total bye weeks. So that way it's kind of split up. You kind of protect the players a little bit more. Uh, so you, you'll still have football every Sunday, but I think if you have two or three bye weeks, I think it could be uh, reasonable from uh, a player safety uh, perspective and, it helps teams uh, battle the the extra long season with with injuries as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the the let's not kid ourselves. The key is making sure that the owners don't lose any of their revenue. Otherwise, it's never going to change. Um, so they still make money on these preseason games. They make TV revenue. They make concession revenue, parking revenue, all that kind of stuff. And if you think they're going to give up their revenue for player safety, you haven't been paying attention. It's just not going to happen. Um, I could see them maybe cutting, you know, one preseason game um, if they can get them to add uh, extra regular season games. But I don't see the players union adding, you know, going to a 17 or 18 game schedule unless their chunk of the revenue, not their salaries, their chunk of the um uh, the television revenue and all that, the sponsorship and all that kind of stuff also goes up. And I think they would also want to add uh, a, a few more spots to the roster to give some more guys jobs because you're going to need it. If you're playing two more games, you can give them, uh, and I agree with you, two buys would be a good idea, but you can give them all the buys you want. Guys are going to get hurt if you play more games. They get more tired. More injuries happen. It's just simple math. So you're going to, at minimum, you're going to need to them to allow to dress all 53 uh, every Sunday, which is going to add to the game checks and take money out of the owner's pockets. So I'm not smart enough to know how you get there. I can see the pieces on both sides, how they have to move. But whether or not that will happen without, like you said, Jack, another stoppage of one form or another, I don't know, because these guys are business owners and... When it comes down to it, they make money off of these four preseason games that they are simply not going to give up unless they get a big thing in return. So I don't know what the problem is. I think the key, I think going back to what you said originally, though, uh, uh, Anthony, is we don't need four anymore. They, they don't need this many 
preseason. Maybe maybe you you change the way that you name them. Like one game is the actual preseason game, and then the other two are for all of the backups. And you tell people up front the starters aren't going to play this week and this week. This is where we're evaluating the second half of our roster. And you cut the ticket prices in half for those two games or something. I don't know. You know, I'm just talking off the top of my head here. But you're up front with the people so they don't show up hoping to see, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield or, or you know, Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is that they're going to see. And then they end up watching guys like the three of us out there in the fourth quarter, you know, because that's where it comes in. So I would think there definitely need to be changes made. How those are going to be accomplished is above my pay grade. Uh, Steven, as a uh, season ticket holder, what what how do you feel? Uh, I'm sure you don't feel well about it, about paying full price for those two preseason games that really when the quality of football is not uh, to the level it should be. Well, uh, I've had them. I'm going to give away my age here to anyone listening who didn't already know it. I've had my season tickets since 1991, and the last time I went to a preseason game was 1991. Um, we went the first year, uh, because it was exciting and we just, just got our tickets and everything. And, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, they were going to have, there was a concert, uh, after the game, they were playing the Vikings at home in the old stadium and there was going to be fireworks after the game. And then there was going to be, it was like a Motown tour, the four tops and the temptations and Aretha Franklin, there was like six or they used to do that kind of stuff after the games. And we were like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a whole day and then a whole night. It's going to be fun. And they lost 49 to nothing. And we left before the end of the game because it was so brutally horrible. We didn't even stay for the for the fireworks and the concert. And that was the last time I ever went to one. So I, I, I think it's – I get why they do it. Uh, and I don't – again, it comes down to money. I don't see how you could separate it out because you're not going to get people – to pay just for preseason games, not as many as you need. Anyway, I, I mean, back then, I, again, this is, I'm going to sound like an old man. It was $18 a game to sit in the dog pound back then. My entire season ticket package cost me $180 the first year that I got tickets. So it wasn't really all that big of a deal. The prices are ridiculous now. And there are people, I totally understand why they're upset. I don't like it. I don't go. I, I matter of, we can't give those tickets away. My dad and my brother and I have these tickets together in a regular season, if we can't make it, we can almost always find somebody to take the tickets so we get use out of them. Those have gone unused for at least a dozen years. Nobody goes. So they have to do something about that. What that is, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm just a guy that spends too much time on fan speak. It's, it's above my pay grade, gentlemen. Yeah, it's a very interesting balance of uh, if, if this does eventually happen. Like you said, the, the money, the preseason games – uh, if you're adding guys to the roster, uh, how does it affect the owner's revenue? It's it's an interesting discussion that I, I think is very well needed and is something to definitely look forward to in the future. Um, as we wrap up the show, is there anything else you guys wanted to discuss? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, the argument over who should start at quarterback is rather silly. Um yeah, he could. He was one of two guys that through the process that everybody said he could come in and start day one. And if Tyrod had been really hurt the other night, I, I, they could put him in there and he'd muddle through the first rookie mistakes. And I think he, he would handle it this year. But you brought Tyrod Taylor, or I'm sorry, Tyrod Taylor in. 
for a reason, a specific reason. And that was he doesn't play until he's absolutely 100 percent ready. I would much rather them wait six games too long than put him in there six games too early. So I think it's it's kind of silly, uh, you know, unless they start off one and six or something. You know, uh, Tarad should play now. As soon as they're eliminated from playoff contention, whenever that is, if that's, you know, if they start one and six, then you can go ahead and put Baker in. Or if they're, you know, five and six, and then they lose to drop to five and seven, and they're eliminated in week twelve, he should absolutely go in and play the last four games because you're looking ahead to next year at that point. But now, I I, I can't see a re- you got you got to knock the champ out to take the belt, and he's been even with Tyrod as far as uh, Tyrod as far as I have seen, and he's shown rookie tendencies where he can get fooled. He can, yeah, he's a rookie. So until he is demonstrably better, I think Tarad should be under center for this team. I agree 100% with Steven on that. Yeah, you know, looking at it, I think Baker has the, the tools to start right away. However, when you have the luxury of Tarod Taylor um, on the roster this season as your bridge quarterback, take advantage of it while you have it. It's something the Browns haven't had uh, since they've come back to the league in 99 and they've been drafting rookies, uh, rookie after rookie after rookie, uh, running them out there way too early. It's just a, a nice luxury uh, to finally have this. Um, you know, I've made the argument this is the best – the quarterback room has looked since 1999. You have a bridge quarterback who is a very good starter uh, when you look at it. You have a top rookie in the draft who, by all accounts, looks very good and has the, the good potential to be your franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. And you have a guy in Drew Stanton that's a veteran that has been around the league for the longest time and you know, huge pickup. Oh, absolutely. And can help Baker Mayfield learn how to be a pro and everything. So I think when you look at this quarterback room, it's the best that it's been uh, since 99. And it's just a, a nice luxury to have uh, to Rod Taylor as your bridge quarterback. So there really isn't any reason to uh, run Baker out there way too early. Unless you know, like you mentioned, the season is lost, and you want to see uh, what you can, what you can get. You know, look at what happened with the Rams uh, two years ago with Jared Goff. You know, they they wanted to uh, to uh, to wait to make him play. Uh, injuries forced their hand uh, for him to play. I think starting week seven or week eight. Uh, he, now he looked terrible those first eight games that he played as a Ram. But last year you saw. Uh, his potential of the things that he can do. So, you know, if Baker goes in and he doesn't play well those those first eight games or first four games, whatever, you know, there's there's going to be panic. But I would say based on, you know, recent history uh, with other guys in the league uh, that have come in, I, I want to panic right away. I want to go into next year's draft uh, eyeing any kind of quarterback. Now I know – uh, guys like Steven who do mock drafts all the time might do that, but I'm not saying you specifically, <laughs> but I, I think you're a little more sane than uh, other Browns fans. But I don't admittedly think... a low bar, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, looking at, I don't think there'll be guys that are looking at the Browns um, to take a quarterback in next year's draft. 
Uh, so, you know, looking at it long term, the, the Browns are set up very nicely. And I, I think it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Granted, I've only been watching Browns football since 99, so it, it's been very painful. Um, so uh, I, I really didn't see anything before that, um, before the move and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I think we're set up in a nice position uh, for the future here. Um, Steven, as we get on out here, do you want to plug everything uh, that you have going on, including your comedy stuff and, you know, your, your Browns mock draft as well? Um, yeah, we can, you know, if, if somebody wants to uh, find out where I am, uh, doing my stand-up, you can go over to my other Twitter account, at 15, Stephen 15, my schedule. I tweet it out every so often, uh, or find me on Facebook, uh, uh, Comedian Stephen Thomas, really easy to find. As far as Browns Mock Draft, uh, it's just at Browns Mock Draft, and this this will be year three. Uh, it will start um, after the first game against Pittsburgh, because I learned the hard way doing it all summer is way too long. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward. Anthony has promised to make me another, uh, cool kick-ass, uh, uh, uh background picture, profile picture. Uh, I'm looking forward to it cause you do great work. And, uh, last year's was so much fun. Uh, so you just follow me there. I'm going to try to, I'm going to pin this year's and try to do it as one long, uh, thread. So everybody can find the entire season all in one thing, uh, hoping to find a sponsor. Um, that's it. Uh, but the, again, that's very simple at Brown's mock draft. Uh, follow me. I love to talk Browns. Any Browns fans are always welcome. Jack, go ahead and plug everything you're up to. Yeah. As always, you could check out my site, the North I'll have my projected 53 man roster up later this week, as well as any Browns news that comes out like the signing of Earl Watford. I'm going to have something up on the first wave of roster cuts um, follow me on Twitter as always at Jay McCurry CLE. I'm always up to debate Cleveland sports and also rail on this generation of kids um, having heat days um, up here in Northeast Ohio, which <laughs> I took some heat for that today. But uh, yeah, always give me a follow. Hit me up. I'm always down to talk anything with you guys and uh, check out the other podcasts that myself and Anthony do the North Coast Sports Cast, where everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Um, we'll have a new episode up later this week where we preview uh, Ohio State football and the uh, the never-ending saga, much like the Browns, the never-ending saga that is Ohio State football. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's nice. Football is back this weekend. You know, we got the full slate of college games this weekend. Uh, I was happy uh, last Saturday night when I came home from work and there was football, real football on TV. Uh, Wyoming and New Mexico State was on. New Mexico State is absolutely horrible, um, but it was nice to, to watch a football <laughs> game uh, for the first time, one that counts in, in, since the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, football season is here. We're gearing up. Uh, you know, as we get into the regular season, Jack and I will be here at least twice a week. Uh, I can't imagine it being any more than that, but we should be here twice a week. Um, next week, though, we are going to do something a little crazy. Uh, something we've never done before. We are going to do six shows in six days. So from Sunday, nice. from Sunday through Friday, we will have six shows for you guys. Uh, every day we'll be previewing uh, different divisions in football. Um, we'll break down the final 53-man roster. 
we'll be giving our predictions for NFL awards, uh, the Brown season, and ultimately uh, the first football game that really matters, and that is the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we'll, we will end our week with that. Uh, I think we're excited to um, have that going on. We'll, I would imagine we'll have a, a couple uh, guests in there as well. Um, we have to line those up, but we're definitely looking to, to adding some people in to, to help us break all that down. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Facebook at 25 Gridiron. Uh, we are now on Spotify, um, which is a great platform to be on. So uh, please check us out on there if you haven't already. Um, it's a great way to, to listen to our podcast. Uh, it updates, and if you click the follow button on there, uh, it will let you know whenever a new episode is up. Uh, we are also on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the Overcast app as well. Uh, we're still working on iHeartRadio, but that should be uh, coming up soon. And as always, as we get on out of here, uh, I'll leave you with this, as I always do, and that is Go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com live the Chumba life no purchase necessary we're prohibited by law T plus terms and conditions apply see website for details